This episode of We Want to Talk About It Now is brought to you by Squarespace.com. And guess what? Squarespace.com is now an official full-time advertiser for We Want to Talk About It Now. You're looking to make a cool website? You're looking to get people to know more about your brand? Squarespace has never made it more easy for users to create the best website to show off all the cool stuff they're doing. Check them out at squarespace.com. Because we don't care. We want to talk about it now. Alex's 20s. <laughs> it's what we want to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're talking about me, everybody, as, as opposed to other times where we don't talk about me and things that I want to talk about today. It's, we're going through, Alex finally turned 30, and we're going to be going through uh, what I wanted to do instead of the huge 30th party that a lot of people want to do. Not throwing shade at anybody that likes to do that, just I'm a different type of person. Skinners overall are different people. If you notice, you'll never see any birth, like, for all of us, even the women, which is surprising, because usually it's the women who love doing 30s things. So just as an example, 30th surprise birthday party for a dude friend of mine was mainly for his wife to show that she could throw a party. And then she also had a turning 30 party. <laughs> so um, one that she planned. She planned both of them. So that just shows you that maybe it's a, it's a girl thing. But there are, don't get me wrong, there are those dudes who also... Like having their little, everybody look at me. I have a few friends like that. They always pretend like, no, I don't want to do it. Hey, can we all meet up for dinner for my birthday? I don't want to do it, guys. But can we meet up? So we have this, like, I just want everyone to know that I have friends. We need to take a picture, post it on Instagram. <laughs> but I don't need it. I don't need it at all. Um, so what I wanted to do was a podcast about what my 20s were like. And then I have two people that were there for a lot of the, Katie was there for seven of the 10 years. And a lot of that was one-on-one -on -one time, seven years, like day in, day out for seven years. Not like Sheila, who's a huge pussy and could only dedicate like a few minutes here and there. Nope. <laughs> Katie, Katie went with the, with the full 24-7, 365, 365 days a, <laughs> a year, uh, which, I have a question. which has to suck for Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. How do you feel about going to other people's 30th birthday parties. I love it because I don't have to plan anything. Right. Okay. Like I, I, Just asking I'm, for a friend, aka myself. Because I'm, I'm a person who's like, if I don't have to do a whole lot of planning and I can just like show up to whatever it is, I'm cool with it. Are you doing a 30th, Sheila? 30th um, party? I, okay, and now been you're, you're hearing it here huh? first. On, we want to talk about it now. We want to talk about it now. Exclusive CNN, CNN breaking news. Sheila, let us know. Well, I want to go to Dublin, but and but it's like one of those things like to Alex's points like I don't want it to be like a party like like everyone come to Dublin, spend all your money, but like we're going to Dublin. So if anyone wants to come, it's like a you know, come on, hang out type of thing. It's like halfway across the world. Anyway, that's where my head's at right now. But we cut this out of the But what's now. tough for that though, Sheila, is it's going to be like everybody's like invited whatever, but everyone that's invited is going to be like, "So can we stay with Who's you?" Going? <laughs> like what, what place are you staying at so that we can stay with you at the at the airbnb well i will coordinate that i actually i like know there's like a cool hotel that's like a castle there's there's some cool stuff 
Like I'll give people information, but it's not like people like when you when they. What's your room number? I want to I want to stay in the room exact the exact room. I don't want to I don't want to. What can you give me all of the information? What what (laughs) minute by minute detail, please? Alex wants to cuddle with Aaron. Yeah. Oh, we could just swap rooms. Okay. Swapping spouses. They swap the female with the male. Yep. How did that not ever be? How was that never a show? That is a good idea. Like, just do all the weird Mormon people that get married who are gay to straight people and swap them with uh, all those lesbians that are with straight dudes. Is that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I think that uh, that pitch idea is dead on arrival, so maybe we won't do that. Man, but is it weird? Are you like, do you, because you have one year until you turn 30 and then... um, much younger, still in the prime of her youth. Katie over here has another like three years. You turned twenty-seven, right? Yeah. So young, Katie. Did you like think? I'm like I'm just stoked on it. Cause I'm just like, you know what? Thinking about where I started when I was twenty, Tuxla Gutierrez, Mexico, making zero dollars an hour, zero dollars a day, spending approximately four hundred dollars a month. So I ended up. I had a very good savings before I left, and then I got back with the probably fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars. But I then made a huge mistake when I got back from my mission of getting without dental insurance, my cavities filled, and that was super expensive. So to all those people out there who aren't willing to spend ten dollars a month on dental insurance, one hundred twenty dollars a year is much more palatable than oh that cavity costs four hundred dollars oh okay and you had a thousand of them because you were just in mexico for two years not that i think in fairness to mexico i don't think mexico gives you cavities but whatever i was doing i swear i brushed every day like i i I obeyed all the mother effing rules of my mission and i still came back with like a thousand cavities maybe you just didn't have dental care for two years that is true but like don't aren't there like a lot of people are like i that like Weird, weird flex, bro. I haven't been to the dentist in like seven years. What are you bragging about? That's disgusting. Why are you? Why are you? Why are you bragging about that thing? <laughs> yeah, I haven't wore I haven't wore diapers for eighteen years. Congratulations. Okay, cool. So is that one of the things that you learned, like year twenty? You're gonna start with that money. Get dental. No, you're. Oh, 20, oh, 20, yeah, 20. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So you get dental insurance because it's really inexpensive. Get a company that covers your health insurance if you can, because we've had it mix and matched, right? Where part of the time Katie was covering me and her company was covering half of her, a quarter of me. And then now with the company that I'm at, I'm getting covered 100%. And the amount of money that that actually saves per year, along with like an HSA. Here's the thing. Okay, that's, this, is, this is where I want to go. That's a, that's a good question, Sheila. What it really comes down to is high school education is stupid. And college education is stupid. Everything I have learned about like being an adult, which I feel like really you're an adult starting in your 20s, like 18, 19, you're still, it's, you know how you have teen, preteen? So you got 18, 19, you got like your pre adult. You're not actually an adult making real decisions. Uh, Cause I wasn't, a, and maybe there are some people that are different than this, but it seems like a lot of people are just living with their parents until they're 20, which I don't have a problem with. I did it. But then you turn 21 start going to college, start getting a job. And especially once you're graduated from college, it's like, all right, here's the real real world. But what I want to say is college and high school, college more so, 
are huge wastes of time. Maybe it builds up like your social equity or like your social skills potentially. But as far as actionable things to talk about, so for example, I'm, I'm very happy that I took a, an art history class in college. Very, very happy that I did that. When am I ever going to bring that up in conversation though without seeming like a pretentious dick? <laughs> like, hey, so what do you guys think of the Deriferous pose? Who wants to talk about that? No, and I know everyone's probably looking up der- the Deriferous pose. It's just like the common pose in Greek, like statue work. Also like painting as well, but mostly from statue stuff. You bring that up in a conversation, everyone's just going to be like, no one likes you. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about a Black Mirror. <laughs> We've all seen but that. Like, but do you feel like that helped you enjoy art in new ways, like just individually, not talking about it? But like, do you feel like you see it and understand and appreciate art more? So it like enriched, enriched your life? In fairness to myself, I feel like I've always enjoyed stuff like that. Like, I don't think it required going to college for me to be like, you want to know what? Those Greeks were onto something. Those Greeks were sure. Like, I've always been fascinated by Greek and Roman history. A lot of that having to do with the movie Gladiator, which anyone who's a history person is going to be like, well, that movie's so historically inaccurate. Well, if that's what it took to get a a 14-year-old boy to be interested in history, that's what it took. Like, The Patriot, I know that's also historically inaccurate. I also very much started enjoying U.S. history because of things like that. But neither here nor there, because even if I do enjoy those things beforehand, nobody really wants to talk about them. Unless you're a history major, which I sure hope you get a job as a professor or you're going to be poor your entire life. So congratulations on getting that doctorate and not going to be able to do much with it. Because my, my, one of my favorite history teachers was like in his mid forties and he had finally like started from the bottom. Now we're here. Like he finally got there. I'm like, you're 45 years old and you're finally like secure. I was just like that, that kind of terrifies me. So I would love to teach at some point in my life, but if I learned anything from, from the early days, high school and college do not prepare you for 401ks, which are very important. They do not, they don't teach you anything about the stock market, how to buy stocks. Uh, They don't teach you anything about real estate investing. Obviously, I bet you they're like, well, they have specialty classes for this. You know what I wanted to do? Get out of college as quickly as possible. So if it's not in the curriculum that's required, I'm not going to take it. Like, you know what's interesting? You can go. No, my bad. <laughs> Remember we were talking about interrupting and I was like, yeah, this is a problem for me. No, I do it too. And case, like sometimes like when there's a delay, it makes it harder to know if like you've interrupted or not. I don't think we have a delay, so you were just being a bitch, but um, <laughs> I, I think there might be a little bit of a delay. <laughs> what was your question? What's your question, kind soul? <laughs> um, so it's funny because you knew mine. I knew I wasn't going to go to a four-year, so they put you on a different like math track. Like you can take like you can take like real world math, like instead of going on to like pre-calc and calculus. And so I took that class, but I took it when I was like 17. And so they did talk about taxes and they did talk about that stuff. But like, I don't remember anything from that class. Like, like I wasn't doing taxes when I was 17. And like, so it's funny that they assume like, if you're going to go on to a four year, like you don't need real world math. Like why would, like, why do only the kids that are like, going to the four <laughs> Well, but the, what's they're like, you're a financial investor. Yeah. Oh, so investors. you're going to college. Yeah, exactly. You'll have people to do all of this for you. But then I'm just like, what if we could eliminate the entire accounting industry because we prepare people? So yeah, the only people who know how to do ta- taxes are the people who choose to do accounting. 
Uh, I mean, granted, like things like TurboTax, et cetera, but I'll be 100% honest. Like, it still scares me like that an audit could happen and be like, well, Mr. Skinner, you just did this one, two, or three things things wrong. It's probably a total of about $25, but sorry, we didn't audit you for four years, and now that $25 is $1.3 million because of the interest. So you're going to have to pay that back. You're going to have to Wesley Snipes your way onto jail. So apologies there. But they don't give you any guidance at all. And, and, it, and, and to your point, that is stupid. Like, Name one time, all you calculus people in high school, name how many times you've used calculus since then. If you're not an engineer, just in college probably. It's probably the only other time that you use calculus. I don't know why they're te- like. Did they? Did we not foresee technology answering all of these problems? I guess not. Well, yeah, because like also, so you, so they taught me how to do my taxes, but then I'm only going to use TurboTax or take it to a tax account. Like so, like can you just tell me the things I need to look out for yeah, and like I just, practicalized skills? I just want to obey the rules. That's all I want. I want to make sure <laughs> that I am fulfilling. I don't want to go to jail. A very, I know that's a very low st- low bar of entry, but I just don't want to go to jail. It seems terrifying. If if Felicity Huffman is scared about going to jail for seven days for doing horrible, horrible things, I can only imagine how terrible and afraid I would be if it was like, all right, yep, tax tax fraud. I didn't even know it was tax fraud. I'm sorry. All right, well, you're going to jail for uh, six months. Huh, Felicity Huffman bribed people at, at, at a major university and got seven days. Well, once again, you should have either gone to school to be a lawyer <laughs> or, or you should have learned how, how the law works. It was like, oh. Or be rich. Or be rich. That's still the most terrifying. The, ooh, ooh, let's do this. Like the most. You guys think of questions. I already have one. The most terrifying phrase that I heard in my 20s was probably uh, f- from the movie or the documentary Staircase. It's about a guy who might have murdered his wife, pushed her down a staircase, or she fell down the staircase. But his thing... Or it could have been an owl. Or it was probably an owl that attacked her. <laughs> yep, it was old Owly the Owl. I think his name... Actually, the owl's name was Roberto, which is ironically enough. Um, but... Uh, he said something and they're like, how do poor people, af- how do poor people pay for this? And I was just like, that was a terrifying, li- like if there's something that I learned, it's like, there is definitely something wrong with the American justice system. If only rich people are OJ Simpson, OJ Simpson, 100% killed one of those two people. More likely he killed both of them. Thankfully he was rich and was able to not go to jail. Like, and then same with this other dude. And, and uh, even the other one, until the dude... Uh, Jinx? Jinx. Like, that dude stayed out of jail for forever. And it was mainly just because of... What's that thing? Oh, because he had money. But until he finally just admitted it on on live documentary television or whatever, that is when he finally got caught. So, yeah. most terrifying line is, if you want to have a better life, you're probably going to need to be rich. And then I've had personal experience with that. Not me myself, but just uh, some friends that had to go to, or I should say a friend, a friend that did have to go to jail for like not very long, but because they didn't have the funds to get a good lawyer, they had to go to jail. And it was something so minor, like compared to what Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin and all these other parents have done, not that big of a deal at all. Money and cost and 
morality-wise. But nope. They had to go to jail longer than these Felicity Huffman types. Why? Because they're lower lower middle class, if not upper lower class. Like, they're not wealthy at all. They have no money. <laughs> so that was the most terrifying thing. <laughs> right, let's lead with all the negative things, well, Alex, as always. I was going to say a positive, actually, right now. What was the best part of your 20s? The best Oh, do I have to say getting married? I'm just kidding. You don't have to. <laughs> getting married was pretty awesome, though, because it solved so many issues. Like, having some sort of stability in your life allows you to do more, I feel like. So the scariest, scariest thing? Is that what you said? Oh, no, the best no, thing. The best thing. Oh, that's right. And then, sorry, technical difficulties. I think I already answered this. Marriage was really, really honestly, this is going to sound so bad. No, 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 because it, it goes, it goes with, with marriage. Stability. Stability is probably the best thing that happened in my 20s. Uh, financial stability, relationship stability, relationship stability with a lot of other people as well. Like, I know that I'm still not the best at relationships with people, but I'm getting much more and more. And it probably doesn't sound like it when people like listen to my podcast and whatnot, but... Um, uh, yeah, so when it when when you push it and it blinks, it'll mute. That's but then it's when it's solid red, it's recording. And honestly, Sorry, I... it what I would honestly just keep it on the entire time. I know like Aaron's home or whatnot, but no, I, I... there now it's back I know. on. Okay, all right. I just wanted to make sure we didn't just start over and it was like muted uh, the muted? whole time. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm we would have we would have heard we would have heard really quick when you just were going. Well, you might have heard it through my computer. I don't know. I don't oh, know. No, now it's set up. Now that it's connected and set up to be input through there, if you mute it, only everything will come through there. Unless you see the light turn off, then we would hear you through the computer. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm but, sorry. That's but why I G-chat we'll, you. We'll now be able to like tell super easy because the sound quality is completely different on the microphone. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. So um, I'm going to leave this thing? in. I'm going to leave this one in because... I can't edit twice. I cannot. I can't. I can't do it twice, guys. But like, I'm still not great at it. What I realized is I have super, super high conditional love. And I think as time has gone on in my these these ten years, that has decreased. I definitely recognize that it's still there. I still feel this like, hey, I did this nice thing for you. All I require is you just be nice to me. Like that's all I want. That's. And then some people will be like, well, yeah, but Alex, you do like these nice things for people and then you're dicks to them at times. That is one thing I'm still trying to work on is the way of disseminating information or my opinions on things to people that allow for a positive outcome as opposed to like a negative one. And the reason that it's still like a little bit negative, like I'm very honest with people. I just don't want, I feel like the bullshit takes up too much time. Like, oh, you want to know what? You're doing real, real great. All of these things are awesome. Like, you're just an amazing person. Now let me go through X, Y, and Z things that you need to fix. Oh, but you're so great. You're the best. Like, the, the sandwich method of, of criticism where you do the positive, negative, positive to, like, make people feel good. Hey, how about you all quit being so sensitive? That's what, that's what I'd really appreciate. Because I feel like, in fairness to all generations, every generation's always been sensitive. I hate whenever I see that picture of like World War II people and it goes, this is what men used to do when they were 18. And then now it's like, this is what men do now. They put makeup on. Just like, okay, yeah, but 
that doesn't mean that they weren't any more emotional, emotionally sensitive back then. Just because you go to war does not necessarily mean that you're going to somehow develop a much better personality. You know what war's probably going to do to you? Probably going to ruin you and uh, screw you up a little bit. That's why we have so many veterans who have went to Vietnam, saw terrible, horrible things, and are now mentally scarred for forever. So uh, a little bit sick and tired of like the, the generational comparisons. That's one thing I really am focusing on in my 30s. <laughs> My goal of like, I don't want to become old man fist waving because I see when I do it and I hate it because I'm just like, no, you want to know what? I was just, that's just as stupid. It's very important that people remember what they were like at certain epochs in their life because I still have very clear, vivid remembrance of how, dude, my Facebook wall. One of my favorite things to do is just go through my Facebook wall and like read all of these things from like when Facebook was huge back in 2008 and 9. And like the crazy things Sheila said, and the crazy things I said, the crazy things Grant said, the crazy thing all, all of my friends said. I'm just like, oh, we we're all just like a bunch of super angsty teenagers just whining all the time. And you want to know what doesn't change? You just complain and are whiny your entire life. Um, and so I want to get better at that because I understand people like being around non-complainers. Um, but I, it's a, another thing that I kind of came to a conclusion is people like people who don't take a stand on things. It's much easier to be friends with and associate with someone who wants to have the harmless platitudes of, so you want to talk about that episode of The Office? You want to talk about our love of the Marvel movies, like that kind of stuff. Those people have tons and tons of friends, uh, but do nothing for society. Nothing for society except continue to perpetuate lack of education on topics that actually affect people. So that's not to say that they're not important and that they're not needed, but we have way too many of them. And you all need to get friends who have opinions because not ha like, so that you can formulate your own opinions too. Like just happy for my family. Sorry. Do you think that, 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 that the problem is that people don't have opinions or that people aren't good at like, uh, like being open-minded in that discussion? Because I feel like a lot of times when we're talking about stuff, it's very like I don't feel threatened by your opinion and I, I doubt you feel threatened by like I don't feel like you're saying I'm stupid by disagreeing with me. But I feel like when I do talk to some people who have opinions, it's like their way or the highway. Yeah, like there's no open-mindedness. So do you feel like it's more about people being open-minded? And people, then, yeah, open, not even necessarily open-minded. I think yeah, people are often yeah. just scared to share their opinion. Like, it's just a matter of, oh, my gosh, I'm kind of putting myself out there, mm. uh, which I totally get. I understand it's social stage fright, if you could say it. All of life is a stage. I don't know if anyone's ever heard that. I just made that term up. So every single situation you're in is some sort of act going on, and some people thrive in it and other people don't. I'm not saying I necessarily thrive in it, but I would definitely say that most people suck at it. Um, yeah. Because I think what's scary is, especially, I don't know who you're referring to when you talk with people about opinion stuff. It also depends on what the social status of that person is. So like the higher up they might be in a company, the more influence they have in other walks of life might be a little bit intimidating. But that is something that I don't, I think it's always been this way. I think there's always been a chilling effect, but it's just become more noticeable these last few years with things like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, where if you have an opinion that people don't agree with, 
a, a small majority of people jump on you, but 1% of 365 million people is still 3 million people. That's still a lot of people too when you're comparing that against one person. So even if it is a small minority that are super pissed off, you're still getting attacked by a ton of people either way. Uh, so even t- make it a tenth of a percent. Tenth of a percent, now we're down to, what, what's the 10% of? Now you're down to 300,000? That's still a lot of people. All right, let's do another tenth of a percent. 30,000? That's still a ton of people. Okay, let's do another tenth. Now we're at like a one one hundredth of a percent and it's a thousand people, that's still a lot of people if all of them are piling on you at one time. So uh, what I think it needs to happen is all these people who have these opinions that they're just keeping in and not coming to the defense when like they see people who have similar opinions that they have and help shut up the minority. That sounds really, that probably sounds way worse than like I mean it, but like it's these people who just, it's what the person is saying is not meant to be Hurtful. So, like, for example, I think the, my example with Milan, Milan, you've gotten two mentions, uh, back-to-back podcasts. Congratulations. Milan's podcast that I did with him where I said, like, the LGBTQ community, and then he goes, I'm not sure you can say community. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Or I might have said the trans community or something like that. I honestly don't remember. He's like, I don't think you can say community. The way he responded was, like, not douchey. It wasn't like, you can't say that. Tone, tone matters. Like his tone was very just, huh, like introspective. Like, can you, can you? Like he was asking himself too. And then you get all, so that's like the positive way of doing it, right? Like if some, if you disagree with someone and you're whatever, do it in that nice, kind way. But then if you're someone who like shares opinions, you got to come to the defense of people and your opinion still might be wrong, but at least, at least they'll, they'll feel a little bit more safe and willing to share opinions and then there can be a more, hopefully, which isn't going to happen, a more civilized debate about given subjects. Because I think that's the one of the more important things to me is discourse. Because the more we shut down things really quickly, the less likely things are to happen. Like, what's what's the last major piece of legislation that's actually happened? Like, anything? Like, do politicians actually do anything that benefit us? And we're all talking about them all the time and, and like trying to defend them when we shouldn't be defending any of them because they're all really, really, most of them are really, really bad at their jobs and they don't care about you. Like the amount of time, the amount of time that people spent defending Hillary Clinton or the amount of time people spent defending someone like Donald Trump, like they're both horrible people. These are not, both of these people are not someone we should want. And honestly, a lot of the people running Mitt Romney, like I used to love Mitt Romney. You want to know what? Not someone you should want running your country either. He's not that great of a person. Uh, there's lots and lots of people that are just like, uh, Bill Clinton was not a good. Honestly, I think that George W. Bush was a really good person. The bad thing for George W. Bush, Dick Cheney. Like George W. Bush just seems like a really nice, genuine person. Because like, so I watch him in like interviews with whatever, and then I'll watch interviews of like Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton still seems like a sleazy, sleazy slimeball. Like, so now it's been 20 years since he's been president. He seems like a bad guy. Every time I see, and Barack Obama just seems super suave and cool. But then same with George Bush. George Bush was just like, you just seem like a really nice old grandpa. Like, that's all you wanted. You wanted to be America's, like, a dad transitioning to a grandpa. Can you do that? Can you just say you identify as a grandpa now? <laughs> I think, I mean, I think you could just say whatever you want. <laughs>
I wish George Bush would have done that. He's like, hey guys, I'm not your daddy anymore. Uh but that's uh, that's probably been my biggest thing throughout um, all of my these ten years is trying to formulate opinions more intelligently and then communicate them better. I'm way better at it than I was when I was twenty. Like just looking back on it, like yes on Prop Eight, <laughs> like going from yes on Prop Eight to now, where I'm just like I can't believe that was I can't believe that was a thing ten years ago. Me just hating gay marriage, not gay people, gay marriage for whatever reason. And it's crazy. Ever since gay marriage has been like legal, I think I've been raped zero times. Um, People aren't marrying their dogs. The apocalypse has happened zero times. Uh, the people who are fucking their dogs still fucking their dogs. That wasn't going to change with gay <laughs> marriage. And the people who don't want to fuck their dogs still not doing it. Still not having sex. Like, that still hasn't happened. Nobody's marrying their animals either, to my knowledge. I could be wrong. Does anyone know? Ask Aaron about Archer. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare bring Archer into this. Don't you dare besmirch his name like that. But things have, uh, things have been fine. Things are getting better. Global warming's a little bit of a nerve-wracking thing as I enter my 30s, um, especially as we start to decide if we have kids, how many kids we have, and the future that that's going to mean for them. It's a little, a little frightening, but at uh, Fin de Cuentes, I'm not going to have to worry about it because I'm going to die probably before it gets really bad. Or I'll be at a point in my life where I'm like, I got everything out of life that I wanted. Uh, sorry, kids, that my generation and the generation before mine and the generation before mine uh, didn't see this coming. But I'm optimistic, though. Like, humans solve problems. Like, there's a reason we're at the top of the food chain. It's because we were able to solve problems faster than other species. And I have, I have the confidence in us, especially like the younger generation. They're all so smart with all the technology stuff that like, and I think that's how it always is though, right? Like the technology you grow up with, you're just better at it. And it's going to be a lot of these technologies that they're practicing and using that are going to be revolutionized, evolutionized, whatever the hell you want to call it to fight off these horrible things that my generation and generations prior have created yeah hey baby boomers stop pretending like you guys are like this awesome generation you're not like so so stop it like you guys think like oh well we were so easily we were able to do everything so easy i'm just like well i, I love whenever I, my dad's not part of the baby boom generation but like he it was like a dollar a credit something nuts a dollar a credit to go to school back in the day and i understand cost of living was also less expensive and you also got paid less money like I, i'm not but a dollar <laughs> how many, how much do you know how much katie it is per credit now um i'll just do the math i don't remember right off the top of my head i think it was in the 200s Does oh that that's right? low yeah, yeah still low, low still very yeah. inexpensive but yeah. to go from a dollar a credit and multiply that by 200x my dad probably in that time was making like $10,000 a year. So in order for you to pay for school, we need $2 million to like be on the same playing field as him. Like to, is that math wrong? It's $2 million, right? $10,000 $10, times 200 might be 200000 Still a lot of money. Either way, still a lot of money that we still have yeah. never. <laughs> Katie and I on a 
combined income have not made $200,000 in a year. So in order for just someone to go, so shut up is what I'm saying to all you baby boomers. Just admit it was nice. It's, I'm the same way. Like I went to BYU, school was super cheap. I'm grateful for it. I'm so thankful for all the, the LDS tithe payers, myself included, who helped subsidize my education. I'm thankful for all the taxpayers who paid for um, grants that I use as well. I, that's probably one of my greatest accomplishments is school cost positive $4,000. And when I, I really shouldn't say that because obviously that money went towards rent food during that time. So it's kind of hard to actually say like we made $4,000 off of me going to school. But what I'm what I mean, like is if you're just counting my tuition costs, we, we had positive $4,000 from scholarships as well, grants, and then also the subsidized education. And we're going to end up with you here graduating at the end of 2019. Cost us because your work paid for it, like two, three thousand dollars. We're not, we're we're not the poster children for how screwed millennials have been. Like Sheila, you have student debt, not that much, because of this. Like yeah. the school you went to is a dumb school, but like. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not why. <laughs> Actually, I, I I was super surprised it wasn't more expensive. ASU, well, right? Yeah, ASU. But I also I did two years at a junior college to try and save money. And then I did have, like, my company did pay $5,000 or something a year, and I still left with, like, I think it was, like, 17 or some odd grand. And I tried to pay for as much of it up front. Like, I only got loans for the stuff I didn't feel comfortable paying out of pocket. So, it like, I feel like I did it as right as I could. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, and I still left with, you know, double-digit debt, which is almost paid off. Yay. Wait, and when did you graduate? Um, oh, that was like 2014. Yeah, I was like, I remember. Yeah. It was right after we got married. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's almost paid off, and it's gonna have it will have taken you five plus years, and you had a very small, very small relative comparatively to other people. That's mm -hmm. a that's a problem, and everyone who's going yelling at Bernie Sanders, free education, things aren't free. No, like once again, just like your grants that you're already giving people, just like the tithing that you're already spending for me to go to BYU, it will be subsidized. Like that is the entire point of it. And and I, I, I'll go on the record. I am more than willing to pay a few extra percentages if that means hundreds of thousands of more people can go to college at an at an affordable rate. I feel like you're contradicting yourself from what you said earlier though. Being about what? Like about schooling you're just like schooling is stupid. Oh, uh, in fairness, schooling is stupid but a necessary evil okay. is how I would view it. No, I I yeah, I get what you're saying. It is very stupid because Sheila, what what did, what in college prepared you for the job that you have now? Literally nothing, but I will say that like on the other side of it and hiring people now, I look at college more as a way to show that someone was able to work hard on something for at least four years, like that they were committed and like depending on which college they went to that they had to have worked hard prior than that. So I agree. It's not about the subject matter because I don't feel like the subject matter, unless you're in a high skill position like engineering or something, like really matters. It's just like, can you push through and be dedicated and committed to working hard on something for a while? I feel like that's what it's communicating more than anything. So I think what's cool for me is when like I'm interviewing people are like, yeah, so I started a business and I had to run paid ads. Uh, we did it in Facebook. 
We did it in Google. We also had to do some other digital marketing type stuff for, for the site. And then they can show proof of concept like that it succeeded to a point. And then I go, all right, you, you get it. But, and then it's, oh, by the way, I went to Harvard. I don't care. I don't care that you went to Harvard as much as I care that you actually have already done some execution within the field itself. Because I agree. Showing that you've done something where it's like hard work is more important. And I can, and I, honestly, when I'm in like interviewing, it's all like, in, are you intrinsically motivated and are you a cool person? Yeah. Do I like you? Do I like you? Yeah. Like, would I enjoy talking with you on a regular basis? I think UVU does a good job at like doing applied um, education. So they want you to actually like carry things out. So like this semester I've actually had to, excuse me, execute like a PR campaign and like see it through, which was really like hard, not hard, but like time consuming. But it was like, I guess this could help me later on, at least like working with an organization and knowing how to communicate effectively with all these people. Let's pretend that you haven't gone to college for three years and then you start college and that's the first class. Do you think you would have been able to do that as the first class, even with not having all the prior classes? That's a good question. Probably not. Well, I'm like the... Oh, you're the being too hard lead. on yourself. I the think you could. The team lead? I think so too. Oh, thanks. But I don't know. I think I'm just like really organized now. Maybe, I don't Were know. You not organ- I've been married with you for seven years. I have never thought you're disorganized. When it comes to like and you, work and you, stuff. And you've only been going to college for half of our time together. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Just Maybe take the just compliment. You to deadlines. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess like I just don't have confidence in myself as much as I would have, like back then. But yeah. like but like do you really not think that you would have been able to just like, all right. This is what we're doing for the... Like, yes, maybe you don't know some of the definitions. You don't know some of the vernacular, which is stupid anyways. I hate that there's so many acronyms. I understand it's to, like, save time, but ultimately it's it doesn't really well, save that much time. So the reason, like, why is because, like, the semester before I had to take a class, that set you up for this class. So if I took that class and then this class, then I'd be fine. But, like, I would have not known what to do because you learn everything in the semester before and then you actually apply it in the next semester because there's not as much teaching going on right now from the teacher like yeah you get it's instructed like you, the semester before and yeah. then this project is like all right hands off yeah which based on our conversations it sounds like the first class was hands off too isn't yeah. that the same yeah trick? she was gone for like a month i wish i could say her name out loud she's a horrible horrible professor uvu you should fire her i'm not gonna say who it is but she is not a good professor you do not get to just dip on your class for like half of a semester and then still expect them to complete like, all right. all the work. I'm not going to fulfill on any of my requirements, but I, it's, it's like, <laughs> maybe she's preparing you for the workforce when you work with people who don't fulfill things. That's probably what it is. She's like, yeah, there's going to be doing lots She's a great and job at it. <laughs> I'm your boss who doesn't do anything. Oh gosh. Well, maybe that's the case for internships. I feel like whenever I interview people, their internships are like usually where they're, they learn the most actual, sorry, far away. You're fine. Most, it still sounds most, good. <laughs> the most like practical information. Um, internship, yeah, you... internships are helpful. I like internships. Yeah, because you and actually learn. Like you get paid stuff. too. Yeah, because like internships is a privilege thing too. Like if you aren't getting paid, then you have to be able to support yourself while you're also doing. Yeah, I don't think did they used to have? Did are internships like a new modern thing? Like did they happen in like the '80s at the level that they do now? I just don't know because I wasn't alive. 
Well, I think there used to be like less um, academic or what's the right word like like blue collar versus white collar. Like you used to do like a lot of apprenticeships because a lot of work used to be more skill based versus uh, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I wonder like as time got has gone on, we have these more specific corporate type of digital jobs that require internships in this modern sense versus like oh I'm gonna go work with this electrician and learn how to be an elect yeah that makes sense because the, the coffee intern has to that whatchamacallit has to have developed somewhere because i don't feel like that exists as much anymore at least in my industry it doesn't it's like all right you're gonna be like the devil wears prada type thing which was she an intern or like a personal assistant anyways she was an assistant but it is i, I hear it is still very alive and well in the fashion industry the coffee interns yeah, like the like they have to do everything for everyone, run across town. I have a friend who did that just a few years ago, and it sounds like it's like a way to pay your dues. That's so sad. Pay, pay your dues is so stupid. I know. Uh, how about I just work hard now for you and pay my yeah. dues that way as well? Like, yeah. all right, so what? Because ultimately, what pay your dues mean? It literally means you get shit on. That's that's yep. that's how you pay your dues. You just have a horrible life for two to three years, and then you then things get better. Like why? Why do we need to do that? Why does do, why do people need to suffer? They already are suffering with their hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt that they have to pay off, their credit card debt, the all of the mental probably instabilities and insecurities that they have as well. Like, stop it! It's ridiculous! It's ridiculous, everybody. Kelly. So Alex, if you had if. If you were to be able to talk to your 20-year-old self, do you think, like, what would you say and do you think that it would be moot anyway? I've like, do you of, feel like you... I've thought about this a lot because uh, I've been like, man, learning Spanish on my mission was pretty awesome and very important, but I almost would have, at this time was the financial crash of 2008, it was right before I went on my mission and I had saved up. I believe $35,000. And at that time, you could get ha homes for super cheap. I'm wondering if learning Spanish was more important than starting to invest at that point in my life. Because I could have been getting houses on the cheap, and I had a consistent job where I wasn't making a ton of money. But like it was enough money to, I guarantee, at that time, pay the mortgages of multiple homes at a time. Oh, yeah. So if I was going to say one thing, I wish I would have just taken advantage of all of those other people suffering. <laughs> all those people going through the horrible, horrible time. And obviously, this is when I was like 19, so it doesn't really count as my 20s. But I think that would be the biggest thing that I, that I would change because now everything's a little bit more expensive. So it's weird in a way. Do you feel like your mission, though, was, like, character building in any way? Like, do you feel like you would have missed out on important, like, qualities that you now have aside from learning Spanish? Because you could have learned Spanish, like, on your own. Yeah, but obviously, like, wanted. going to Mexico, oh, yeah, for, for sure. it's much easier. But um, I think I learned how I never want to be again. I was There's still parts of me on my mission that were me, but I was so obedient. Like, literally, the... They always talk about the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the, the members of the Jewish religion who Jesus chastised for being too letter of the law and not spirit of the law. I was definitely letter of the law all the time. But that's what happens when you're told exact obedience leads directly to blessings. And then 
you are exact obedient and you don't see the blessings and then you are not obedient and you start seeing the miracles happen and then you go, you get very confused because you're like, I'm not being good right now, but good things are happening in the sense of, oh, I'm waking up at seven instead of 6.30. When I say I'm doing bad things on my mission, you have to understand a Mormon mission is like, I was going to say Nazi Germany. A Mormon mission is like, the insane of insane rules set up. Like you you consider, oh, if I have a bad haircut that is out of the, that doesn't follow the white handbook of instructions guidelines, I am being disobedient. If I have just two days of facial hair, I am being disobedient. And that kind of perpetuates when you go to BYU as well as you're not allowed to have a beard. And so a lot of, and I still, the the mission buddies that I still have, I just always apologize to them and because uh, they were the ones who were able to get past the douchey bag parts of me because the fun parts of me on the mission outweighed them when I was with them. Um, and I hope that they they recognize that because that's, that's probably like one of my biggest fears now as I'm getting older, now that I've left the church and I no longer believe the, the doctrines and teachings. I mean, I believe some of it. I it's, it's like the Mormon church says all the time. They believe that Catholics, Seventh-day Adventists, basically as long as you're Christian, but even like Hindus, uh, Muslims, etc., they say, well, they all have part of the truth. That's kind of how I view the LDS tr- church now. They have part of the truth. They have a bunch of great, awesome doctrines regarding family, raising your kids um, that are great. Then they have other stuff that's really, really, really terrible, like telling your kids that they're evil, dirty, and disgusting because they had premarital sex that just power puts guilt on them for their entire life. Um, I learned a lot of a lot of great stuff that I want to take into my life, and I continue to like just being a, honest in my dealings with my fellow man type crap like that. That's good, um, but it's all like I forget where I was going with this, honestly. So you like don't regret going on a mission. Don't regret, yeah. And being a part but like of the I'm, church. I'm not ever going to be that tyrannical jerk that I was on that mission because I was an exact obedient on the mission, and I hated who I was. So that's got to be, it's got to mean something. I'm sure it's like a huge learning thing. Like early on, like you realize who you don't want to be. And so you change. I remember what I was going to say. My biggest fear leaving the church and living in a place like Utah where so many of the, my coworkers are, so many of the people in my industry are, uh, members of the LDS faith. My biggest fear is people looking at that. And I don't think it's a problem. Like every, everyone at my company knows. <laughs> like, and honestly, it's not, it's not like they needed to know or whatever. It's just I like being fully transparent with people. My fear is like people being like, yep. Any mistake that I make it, it will be falsely attrib- attributed. Sorry, attributed to me leaving. Like, or like, oh, look at—he got fired, lost his job. Like, that's—and I, I really hate that I have that because I know that that's not the case. But I can't control what other people think, and I—that's I, I, another conclusion I've come to. I really care about what people think because if you don't. If you don't, if you really don't care about what people think and you just do what you want to do, you're a sociopath and you can't have any meaningful relationships. So I really, and Sheila and Katie probably noticed this. I'm very explainy. What's that word? 
I always over explain things just to make sure like, all right, I don't want you to think that this is coming across as an attack, but it's going to come across that way because I don't know how to control my voice. But, and then I go into whatever, like I'm very, what's that word? Why can't I think of it? Honest about no. it? Like, it's like where you're always, you say so much stuff as to ensure that there's no way that it can be misconstrued. Kind of misconstrued, thing. yeah, but I can't think of it. Make you over communicate? Yeah, sure. Over analyze might be the word I'm thinking of, but that doesn't even kind of work. Overanalyze everything. You overthink it a yeah. little bit. And so that's probably my biggest problem that I have right now is still worrying what people think about me and the way that I communicate to them because even yesterday in something with like a work group, I'm just like, this is going to come across like I'm judging you because you're the person that isn't doing this thing, but that's not the reason I'm bringing it up. You might've been the impetus for me to bring it up and like the, the final straw, but like it's an overall problem for everybody. Um, so like, I feel like I need to say stuff like that before I dive into, and this is what's wrong. <laughs> Do you feel like you do that because you don't want the other person, like you want to protect the relationship with that person or because you fe fear being misunderstood? I fear mis being understood. I don't want the person to be hurt either, but it's definitely fear. I, f I more fear being misunderstood than I do the person's feelings. But that being said, I don't want to hurt. I'm not like trying to intentionally hurt anybody's feelings, but I constantly feel after certain things like that. I'm like, even if they don't feel like I hurt their feelings, I still feel like I did and I feel bad about it. I wish people understood that a little bit more about me. Because I'm so highly opinionated and come across so in my tone and everything like that, like a very, I'm right, you're wrong type person, I'm not. I'm very open to like new ideas, but uh, they better be well thought out ideas because otherwise I'm just going to analyze and pick apart whatever you say. Like when you're talking about things like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I know that when I have opinions, they're not always like the most well-articulated. It's generally like our thing yesterday, Sheila, where like I just had that question. I'm like, are there any other animal species that are feminist? <laughs> like I didn't have an opinion yet on it. Like it was an honest question. And then I just started going down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out. Lionesses. That was the, so that was my first one was like lionesses. But even lionesses, the, key, the male is still king. So it's not really feminist. He dominates. He dominates the pride. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. still a patriarchal, even though she's doing all the work and whatever, having the kids, it's just like, serving it's still him. like, do you're doing this for me. Yeah. But doesn't she, I think that's the, whatever, this is like a tangent, but I was reading like hyenas and stuff. Like they are the ones that are like going to hyena war and like finding food and like doing all that. But yeah, but then the hyena, the hyena bros might not be going to war, but like they show up and they're like, all right, where's my food? Get me my food. Mm. It's like it's like sea how horses? I view the presidency. Seahorses that carry the babies. Huh? Seahorses that carry the babies, like the male. Well, yeah, like but that's not doesn't make it f a feminist species. <laughs> like what I what I was saying is like they are proactively trying to improve the station of the female part of the species, which I know animals don't really think like humans do, so I doubt that there are any like that. But like for example. Black widows maybe might be the best ones because they kill their spouses. <laughs> like that might be the that might be the best example. But I I think they they're the ones who took <laughs> they took feminism too too far. Like like I like to think of it like with black widows. Like it just started out with like all right after we have sex you know like 
forget my number, forget my email, <laughs> check out, you never get to see this kid again. And then it just quickly escalated to murdering, murdering the spouse after, after conception. So as you look, as you look ahead, like to the next 10 years or whatever, what do you want to accomplish or what do you want the next 10 years, 10 years to look like? I want to set up my 40s and 50s really well from a financial standpoint. I want to be more and more involved in new up-and-coming businesses and then also growing at my job that I'm currently at. Um, so right now I just like kind of market advise a few startups. Um, just like if they have questions, I'll answer them. And then I just love where I'm at at my current job and I would love to have more and more influence there because I feel like one of my best qualities is my decisiveness, which can also be, it's a double-edged sword, like, but it's, I'd much rather be able to make decisions than be someone who's wishy-washy all the time. Like if something needs to get done and we don't have that much time to think about what steps to take, like there's not enough time to strategize. I am so good at like doing the best with the information that I have in the time constraints that I have. And so I want to make sure that I keep improving on that skill. And so far it hasn't led to anything catastrophic, like in all honesty, like in anything in my life with decisions that I've made. And that's also nice. There's some big decisions coming up. Like, do we get a house? How big of a house? How expensive of a house? Do we buy a cheaper house that eventually we rent out when we buy a new house? Do we invest in stock? Do we invest? Where do we put our money? Do we have kids? How expensive are those mofos going to be? Et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's a lot of, it's really funny because I want to say, I believe this is my one life. So I want to do the most out of it. And I want to help the most people in the process too. Uh, philanthropy has become super important to me. And it's unfortunate the wake up call that it took for me to get there. But part of it is we're in a financial place where we can do it now. Like I, I wouldn't say that we were last year um, as much as we're doing. And when I say we, I mean Katie and I. Um, so we can do it now, which is great. Mm -hmm. But I still could have been doing like $10 here and there for people. So anytime that I see a GoFundMe now that somebody puts up, I'll put $10 in it, regardless of who it is, if I know them or not. Um, but once again, I do have my bugaboo rule. I, I donate to the living, not to the dead, because the dead are dead. Um, and so whatever makes you feel like, I, I, I know that it is for the living in the sense that when somebody dies, we're doing this for all of us other people. And my response to that is get over yourselves. Cremate and have a memorial. That should cost approximately, how much was cremation? Did I ask you that, Sheila? $1,000. $1,000 yeah. for cremation. You don't need $100,000. Uh, I see people with like stuff like that. And generally, it's like to help the family. And my response to that is life insurance. I, 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 thankfully, Katie and I both have life insurance that's covered through our work that would greatly put us into a good position. Um, if you're having kids and you don't have like a million dollar plus life insurance policy, you're a horrible father and you probably aren't ready to, and mother. Sorry. I'm thinking of mainly, I've been seeing it a lot with people who are LDS and stay at home moms. So if you don't have that set up and in place, you're not, you should, you're you, honestly, you shouldn't have kids. Like you should not be allowed to have kids until you can financially support them for 18 years, even if you're dead. Um, and so that's why I have like such a rager against that, but anyone, anything that's like MS, ALS, 
cancer, those types of things to keep people alive, to slow the progression down, to ensure that no one ever has to have MS, ALS, or any of the sclerosis ever again, that's where I want to put my money uh, as opposed to someone who's already passed on and giving them a super dope coffin. Like what? Like, I don't care what your beliefs are. I don't care that you believe that like with the resurrection, it's easier to not have a burned up body. Like don't, it shouldn't be my responsibility to cover for your dogmas. Like, oh, because you have the, because you have really financially expensive dogmas, I have to help flip the bill. No, if you're the one with the expensive dogmas, you need to pay for your, you need to pay. You made the bed, sleep in it. That's like one of, it's uh, one of my favorite things. Like, it's, it's not like someone chooses to have MS. It's not like someone chooses to have cancer. Even people yeah. who smoke cigarettes, they're not choosing. Obviously, they're making poor choices, but they're not choosing to get the cancer. Yes, they probably shouldn't have smoked, but like Walter White never smoked a cigarette in his life. He got lung cancer. <laughs> and well, there's then, things you can't plan for. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? Things? Things oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, like, like MS. Like, like you're, you can have the best insurance that money can afford and still be totally screwed if, some, if like your spouse has cancer and you're having to spend time with you. Like, there's so many things. Like, you can't plan for that. You can do your best, but you still, there's an extent where money is just, it taps out. And for your some reason, money. we only care about young people. Um, like my dad has Alzheimer's and the amount of work that my mom has to put in because of it, where is she getting, she's not getting money from anywhere except the job she still has. Not saying that anytime we're going to start a GoFundMe or whatever, because she has children who can take care of her. Um, from a financial perspective, if things ever get bad, like we'll never need to do a GoFundMe. Um, but that's because, uh, in that sense, I guess she was smart. <laughs> she had some really, really smart, <laughs> some really smart kids who are good with their money. Some of us not so great with our money. Um, but she's, she'll never have to want for anything. I know she'll also never ask for, for help with anything, but we'll give it where, whenever she does, whenever she does need that, because we forget about a lot of things, man. Like nobody thinks about Alzheimer's because it's an old person disease and, you don't realize how crappy it is, like figuratively and literally. And I mean that when I say that, like how terrible and how quickly it can progress. Um, That's not me like complaining and saying like, I need help. It's just like you people, when you are helping out other people, just recognize that there are a lot of people struggling that you have no idea what they're struggling about. And I think we've talked a little bit about this, Sheila, like in the hiring process. I wish we had to talk more about our struggles like at work and like let people know where we are. Not because like I'm a gossip and I want to know the gossipy things. It's because I want to know what your state of mind is that day. I want to know how I can help get you out of whatever depression, anxious bout that you're currently fighting so that you can have like a much better experience and then I'll judge you less like oh why are you being such a bitch today oh my god like I had no idea that you're taking care of your crazy arthritis your quadriplegic son like there's so many things that like you just don't know are going on in people's life and just be like a little bit more patient and empathetic with people now if they're constantly a douchebag to you and they aren't giving you any reasons for it that's when you can start hating on them. <laughs> I'll be the one who decides when you can be mean to people. 
<laughs> Me, Alex. That's going to be like the, the title of your memoir. <laughs> I'll, de- <laughs> I'll decide when you can be mad at me. <laughs> But overall, super excited. Like, my 20s were incredibly fun. A lot of creative endeavors, including the podcast. Um, Been able to reach a lot of people, help a lot of people more than anything, which I think is surprising for me as someone who who does a lot of things for selfish reasons. Like... Don't be misguided, anybody. I everything I do does have something that benefits me in a way, um, and sometimes it's just me giving you this three hundred dollars made me feel good. It helps you, which is awesome, but like it just made me feel good today. Um, so don't. No one ever just gives out of the goodness of their heart, and I never want people to think whenever I'm doing this that it's like all selfless because there are selfish aspects to it. Um, the way that I'm doing, like helping people's GoFundMe with music, it's twofold. I get to show off my music and do something I like and then do something nice for a a person with it as opposed to just like, all right, I'm going to do my music. I hope you guys like it. Same with the podcast. I try to talk about as many helpful things as well Um, because I know we're all going – we're all going through – this is the biggest realization. We're all going through the same things 99% of the time. There are – exceptions here and there but we all have the same overarching problems and we seem to think we're alone you're not alone you watch sir sir who's going through a divorce because you watch pornography you're not the only one going through that and honestly it's quite sad to me that someone would get a divorce over pornography use depending on the pornography use like i'm not talking kitty porn here um it's a, there's, there's going to be a podcast upcoming just so everyone knows. That's why I've been thinking about this. Um, like people are going through like these super stupid things that they feel shame for that. I just want to be like, stop it. Stop feeling shame for that. Like you're not a bad person because of these things that you're doing. Now there are some cases where people are doing bad things that need to be corrected. But like for the most part, a lot of the stuff that humans do so benign. So benign in the whole scheme of the universe. Stop being so hard on yourself, everybody. Just enjoy life. Because what happens is you start to have all of this pent-up anger and aggression from all of this guilt and shame that people have been just dropping on you for your entire life. And then you just turn into an embittered person. I was kind of starting to get there with the church. I was just super bitter about And really what it was is I would see people who were unwilling to be honest about the sins they were committing. Whereas I was always very honest and forthcoming with my sins um, and being like, this isn't fair. This is BS. And then the biggest realization of my 20s, life isn't fair. So you just got to plow through what you can, when you can, and just be happy because bad shit's always going to be ha- be happening. So you just have to do the best that you can with what you have to have a really good experience. Um, any other questions? <laughs> What's funny is that people are going to listen to this and it's going to be 90% Alex. <laughs> as well, always. It's about, as yeah, always. It's about year 20. Um, but yeah, I think that's... We get worked up and care about things that will eventually not matter way more than we need to. And I understand why we do it because all we can see is what's in front of us, but it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like I prom- Everything always ends out ends up being fine. In the long run, even if you have someone in your close life who has an accident and dies, like you'll be able to get over that too. It sucks for that person. The only thing that uh, we can't get over is death. The human spirit's amazing. We can get over everything. 
I've seen people with MS. I've seen people with ALS. I've seen people with Parkinson's. Yeah, Alzheimer's. It's depressing to watch the the spiral to um, their eventual demise, but you still have your mind. You uh, obviously not with Alzheimer's. You still have things that you can do, um, and everything's gonna be fine. And the next time that we have something that we want to talk about, we hope you give it a listen. Don't waste your time commenting. And from the looks of it, nobody ever really spent any time commenting. Do subscribe so that you can always get the new pieces as they come in. That's really all that I have because there's nothing else to say. Keep being better and looking forward to chatting with you next time. So young, Katie. So young, Katie. So young, Katie.